All right. Well, I am recording. I think Angie is helping Amy. They're they're giving some. Did everybody? Did you mothers get a gift at the door? Okay. Good. Good. So Angie, I think the pastor's wives are helping with that. So she's out there. Hopefully, you guys, you ladies, have something good planned today. Um, my wife usually goes and gets us donuts of the morning, but I went this morning, so I got up a little extra early to get some milk and donuts. So we did that at our house. We always bring our grandsons donuts, and if we forget, you know, they're always there like, where's our donuts, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so those are fun things. And, uh, anyway, so I hope you ladies feel special because you are special and, uh, you know, the Bible says the, the fruit of the womb is, is God's reward. I think is how it says it there in Psalm 127. And it's the Lord's heritage. And so God is, uses women mightily in, in all of our lives and, uh, so yeah, um, I thought I'd just do a little introduction. Today is the last of Job's, Job's speaking to his friends. He does speak later to uh, to the Lord, but uh, we've had a lot of dialogue, and I thought this would also kind of talk about the tribulation period because as Jim mentioned today is the 75th anniversary of the nation of Israel becoming a nation again and in a way that that starts kind of a clock ticking of when the fig tree bears her leaves and uh, that uh, is probably that I I know 1967 uh, Israel kind of got control of Jerusalem and that was a big deal so we're not trying to set dates or anything but uh, it's in uh, Romans 10 and Romans 11 that the the Bible says that uh, in fact let, let me read because I, I, I looked it up it says in Romans 10:19, but I say unto you nope but I say did not Israel know First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. And then it uh, also says in Romans 11:11 11, 11 at the end that uh, uh, through their fall salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. And so in a way, God is using the church age to uh, provoke Israel to jealousy. And so in many ways, Job pictures for us the uh, tribulation period and the nation of Israel. And so I I thought I might just uh, draw this up. In fact, if you want to look up something here... uh, Let's look up Genesis 39. It's uh, Genesis 39 speaks about Jacob serving his father-in-law for uh, 39. I think it's I think it's 39. <laughs> 
And I, I I forgot my glasses this morning for some week for some reason. I'm sorry, it's 29. Let's all look at Genesis 29. Luckily, I carry a spare pair of glasses. I did. I did a gym. That's right. I did a gym. That's right. He trained me. I thought you always had a spare pair. Of he's a he's a belt and suspenders guy. If the belt breaks, he's got suspenders. So I I forgot my glasses, but I brought the spare. Uh, so this is really interesting in Genesis 29. And uh, does anybody know uh, what Jacob's name was changed to? What did God change Jacob's name? Yeah, to Israel. Yeah. So think about that as we read uh, verse 27. Uh, well, let's read 26. So. Genesis 29, verse 26. And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. And he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. And so what I wanted you to see right there is that one week equals seven years. Did everybody see that? Did everybody see that? At uh, in verse twenty-seven, it says, "Fulfill her week," and at the end, it says, "Yet seven other years." Everybody see that? So it's a week of years, and so that that's what the tribulation period is. Uh, is seven years, and uh, and it's kind of divided in two. Uh, 3.5 years uh, and uh, and that equals uh, 42 months and it, it's also 1260 days and so that all that is in Revelation 11 uh, so this is Time, times, and half a time. And uh, so a couple of times we've seen in the book of Job that he has been afflicted for months, it says. And so uh, I just speculated it could be as much as 42 months. And it's interesting that the book of Job has 42 chapters. Wow, that's pretty cool. It's got 42 chapters. And guess what? His friends came and sat with him seven days. One week. They sat with him for one week. And so in many ways he does picture this. And uh, I'll just put uh, Job here. Because... And what I see God doing in Job's life is the same thing that God does to Israel the last half of the tribulation period is that uh, 
God is purging him. He is, uh, you know, purifying Job and drawing him to himself. And so, really, what we see today is the Job's final words to his friends. And a couple times he said that he is pouring out his soul. And I don't know if you've ever really talked till you can't talk anymore. But he's really looked at this from every angle. And uh, he... he he, he expresses how his friends are wrong with their arguments that there's no hidden sin but kind of what he assumes is is that he's right if they're wrong then he must be right but in, in essence they're, they're, they're both wrong and uh, at the end when God does reveal himself he repents and uh, I didn't bring this up in chapter 29 we're, we're in let's go ahead and go to Job 32 now, or 31 but in Job 29 and 30 I mentioned to you uh, what old uh, J. Vernon McGee said he, he says Job has an eye problem and not with his physical eyes but he, he keeps saying I or me or my and in Job 29 he actually uses a first person pronoun 52 times I think J. Vernon McGee counted them and so over 50 times in Job 29 he mentions I or me or I did this and I helped them and uh, I fed so and so and I clothed them and I helped this guy and I spoke about this and and so uh, if if Job has a chink in his armor it's that he has become a little bit self-righteous and and that's kind of a warning for all of us uh and in essence in essence that's what Israel is in the last half they've become self-righteous <clears throat> and and I honestly felt that way when I was there uh you could kind of feel a little bit of self-righteous or uh um, they're, they're very prideful national uh, people and they're very careful in their screening process that if you become uh, a messianic Jew you, you can't be uh, like a citizen or something and and if you I mean they ask questions like that if you if you want to become a citizen of Israel uh, they ask very strong questions I've heard that if you believe in Jesus in any way then you you can't be a a, a you can't be a, a citizen of Israel and uh yeah <clears throat> So uh, I think that was maybe all I was going to say. Anyway, just, but you know, the kind of the application to us that we don't want to miss is uh, God is purging us too, isn't He? He, uh, our lives should be you know to die daily. And I'm just reading through, and I'm, I'm even listening to First Samuel with uh, King Saul and King David and. You know, when King David went to fight Goliath, I just listened to that this morning and as I took a walk. And, uh, you know, when he comes before to fight Goliath, he, he tells Saul, he says, you know, what is my life? He, he just says, you know, you know, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. And it was just a good example of humility. And it, it kind of contrasted that in my mind with 
with Job here because in Job 31 that we're going to look at today, he just keeps saying, you know, I'm innocent of this and I'm innocent of that. And uh, so he, uh, you know, maybe needs to humble himself. And, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, if you and I are in the same position, you know, we would have... You know, long before Job probably fallen away and uh, not held to the faith, but uh, you know that that is that is kind of the point. Uh, there's an old saying that Christianity is a marathon; it's not a sprint, and so we need to be in it for the long haul, don't we? And uh, we we know that in life issues that uh, oftentimes people come to the Lord or they get excited about recovery and but boy when a little bit of opposition comes you know they fall away or maybe something said they didn't like or you know Sunday morning is just easier to sleep in maybe so uh, whatever it be uh, hopefully you hear that from uh, this pulpit and the pulpit in the in the sanctuary that uh, we need to be in it for the long haul and that job is developing patience and uh, tribulation worketh patience and and uh, so and you know uh, you know Christ it says he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him and so there's a certain amount of suffering before he was glorified right and so that's true with all of us you know we look forward uh, to being with the Lord. We look forward to His return. Uh, but until He comes, we need to be found faithful and we need to keep our hand to the plow. And uh, so Job did that and he didn't lose his integrity. But we also need to be careful to give uh, the Lord the glory and, and to be humble and uh, not uh, boast of our own doing. <clears throat> And so let's read these first four verses here in chapter 31. And uh, Emmett, I'll call on you, brother. I made a covenant upon eyes. Why then should I think upon me? For what portion of God is there from above? And what inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is not destruction to the wicked and the strange punishment to the workers of iniquity? Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, this first verse, uh, him making a covenant with his eyes. uh, That that's pretty powerful statement there, and uh, I gave you a reference from Lamentations there. And and uh, Jeremiah says in Lamentations that he says that mine eye affecteth my heart, and uh, that that's true, isn't it? That kind of what what we see affects our heart. It it it's kind of a gateway. <clears throat> and Solomon, we know that his tur- his heart was turned away from the Lord because of many wi- many women, many wives. And uh, Jesus said there in uh, Matthew 5:28 that uh, you, have, you have heard it said of them of old, you shall not, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you uh, that whosoever looketh upon a woman with lust has uh, committed adultery already with her in his heart. And so, uh, so it 
it's very true that uh, the looking upon a woman with lust, it affects our heart. And so Job is just saying, and, and these are this is a good thing. Uh, he's making this covenant with his eyes, not to think upon a maid. And I forget what the Second Timothy verse says. Let's, let's look that one up that I gave you there. That's a captive. Maybe. Second Timothy two twenty two. Oh, it's right before that. Go ahead and read that, Jim, if you would. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and with them that call on on the Lord out of a pure heart. Yeah, so there's a few things the Bible tells us to flee. Uh, we're to flee fornication. We're to flee uh, these youthful lusts. <clears throat> and then it says to, f- to follow these other things. And so that that's good counsel. Whether you're young or old, we should uh, flee some of those things that uh, cause us, pulls us away from the Lord. And uh, this verse 31.1 is... Uh, many of you have heard of a software called Covenant Eyes, and we actually use that. Uh, we have we have one person using it right now, and it's uh, basically you install uh, software on your phone or whatever device you want to be monitored, and then you choose an accountability partner. I think they call them your ally now. And uh, but anyway, it's it's all based on this verse here, and by signing up for it, basically you're making a covenant that I don't want to look at anything impure that's going to affect my purity. And uh, I remember a story just when I used to be a young man. I was out camping. I took a little transistor radio with me, and I just remember specifically one night. I was camp. I used to camp by myself quite a bit, and just uh, listen to this little radio, some program in the night. It was a Christian thing, and the guy told about how uh, a person used to be, uh, you know, on his way to work, he would have to walk by a a store that sold pornographic magazines, and it was always tempt him. But when he he came to the Lord, uh, he read Matthew five, where it says. Uh, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And he thought that by looking at this pornography, even if he was walking by it, it would defile his heart. He wouldn't have a pure heart. And so he would intentionally, you know, walk across the street and down the road and then back to his job. You know, he, he just changed the way he went and didn't make provision for the flesh. And anyway, that's just a, a simple story, but it's a great truth that uh, blessed are the pure in heart. We need to have a pure heart. And Job realized that uh, looking upon a maid uh, would not uh, would pull him away from the Lord and uh, defile his heart. So he made this covenant with his eyes. So it's a great... I don't know if anybody else has any other thoughts they want to share about that. Um, the other thing I was going to highlight there is in verse 4 that the Lord uh, counts all his steps. And that's kind of... So 
this is going to sound really, really, really uh, intelligent. But steps are taken while walking. Yeah. But think about that. (laughs) And so uh, I'm going to erase a little bit of this so I can write these. And so the Lord is taking his steps. So he, um, and Proverbs says that uh, a man deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So we, we can kind of say, you know, I want to follow the Lord. And, and as we follow the Lord, he has liberty to direct our steps. And then I put that walking in the Bible usually represents ownership. And I'll explain what I mean by that. But uh, I know Emmett don't really have maybe cattle on his farm, but you know cattle instinctively when you let them out, they 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 walk all the edges of your fence. And if we were to go into a pasture that has cattle in it, there'll be a path. All the grass will be worn, and so animals kind of instinctively kind of mark off their territory, and uh, dogs do the same thing. But here in Genesis 13, let's all look at that. This is the first mention of walking. Genesis 13. And uh, can somebody read that for us? Uh, Actually, that's not the first mention, but we'll read 13, 17, and then go to the other one. 13, 17. Uh, Pam, do you have it? Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Yeah, so Abraham was told to walk through the promised land, and the the part that he walks, God will give it to him. And he and he did that. <clears throat> and then in Genesis three eight is the first mention actually of walking. And this is where Ezekiel says that the Lord planted a garden in Eden. And here in Genesis 3.8, the Bible says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam his wife hid themselves, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So the Lord Himself, His voice was, His presence was walking in the garden that He made. It was, it was the garden of the Lord. I think it even says that in the Bible. It was called the garden of God. And so it's, it's God. And, and then even in, uh, Job here, Satan was walking to and fro and up and down in the earth. And he's called the God of this world. And so you see Satan walking in his domain. <clears throat> and then let, let's all look at the last, in Revelation, this last mention of walking. I think this is pretty cool. Hope you guys think this is cool. This is how we learn is comparing Scripture with Scripture and Revelation 21. Uh, Suzanne, would, would you read 23 and 24? Uh, Yeah, chapter 21, verse 23 and 24. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, 
neither of the moon shine on it, for the glory of God did light it, and the the land is the light thereof. And nations of themselves which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Jesus said He has gone to prepare a place for us, and that where He is, there we may be also. And here it says, The nations of them that are saved shall walk in it. You and I are going to walk in New Jerusalem, and He's preparing a mansion for us, isn't He? Uh, I was listening. I, I got, I'm kind of on a, a Southern Gospel kick right now, like Gaithers, and and uh, there's a song that says, uh, "Sending up another board." He, he's like, "I'm sending up another board to help build my mansion, Lord." You know, it's just kind of you kind of a picture that uh, you know. We, you, they say you can't take it with you, but we do want to have an inheritance. We do want a reward, uh, and so. Uh, that's the last mention of the word walk, and we're going to be walking uh, places that we our, our faith has procured. And uh, anyway, it's just kind of cool. And I think this is a Jeff Adams statement, not uh, from something else. It says, "We will never possess more than our walk appropriates." So we must walk in the Spirit in Galatians 5 and and then also I gave you a couple of other verses Uh, but anyway then now now that we think that we walk in the spirit you know we we wrestle not against flesh and blood but uh, spiritual wickedness in high places so as we walk in the spirit we uh, possess and we we uh, we we claim the promises of God, and then when we do that, when we're faced with opposition, we can stand. And you know the Lord has brought us this far, and He's not going to leave us. And uh, you know I, I like to think uh, some of you have heard of David Cloud, but he ha- he has a study of the Book of Job, and his key verse for the Book of Job he he uses Romans eight twenty eight that says. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the called according to His purpose. And uh, so, uh, I don't know if Job thinks that, but I know when I'm going through something, or people I know are going through struggles, I always look for whatever good. You know, if if all things work together for good, all all things mean all things. And so somehow good is going to come out of this thing from Job. And uh, he knows the Lord is counting his steps, and so he hasn't lost his faith. And he is walking with the Lord, and, and good does come out of it. And uh, and that's what uh, <clears throat> I told my dad. You know, he got his, his right knee infected. And he's been nine months just struggling with that right knee. And it's actually his left knee that he got replaced because it was worse than the right knee to begin with. And uh, so he's hoping to get the right knee done at another time. But anyway, for nine months he's been in pain with his right knee. And 
I just kept looking for good to come out of it. And, but the good that's come out of it is that he's met this Christian lady and he enjoys time with her. And it, it's really been a blessing to all of us boys because my dad lives three hours away from me and I'm the closest one to him. So it's been hard to care for him. And I, I used three days vacation this week to be with him and to get all his medicine and take him home. And and it's, it's not a burden because you, you want to help your loved ones. But uh, nevertheless, that was good that came out of that so as you you know the lesson for each of us is that we can claim that promise can't we that all things work together for good and we we should be remember of that uh, regardless of what we're going through and job has good come to him but uh, let's get through this next section because this is where he proclaims his innocence uh, let's see Jim, you already read one, didn't you? Uh, I read you want to read uh, five and six? Thirty-one. Five yep. Six. Thirty-one, five, and six. If I have walked with vanity, or if my foot hath hastened to deceit, let me be weighed in an even balance, that God may know my integrity. So he, he he's saying, if I place my integrity on one side of the balance, and uh, you know. I put me on one side and vanity and deceit on the other. Uh, when you talk about a balance, it's like a scale, and uh, so it's not a it's not a false balance like uh, Proverbs 11 talks about. So again, he he he's saying that uh, he's just coming clean. Like if if I've done this, if I have walked with vanity, you know, God's counting my steps. But if I've walked with vanity. If my foot is hastened to be deceitful, then then I'm ready for God to judge me. Is what he's saying. And then uh, seven and eight, Sherry, you want to read those two? If my step hath turned out of the way, and my heart walked after my eyes, and if any blood hath cleaved to my hands, then let me sow and let another eat. Yea, let my offspring be rooted out. Yeah, so he he's saying he's innocent. He he's not guilty of dishonesty. That you know, if I've done this and um, turned out of the way, if I've been dishonest, and you know, let other people harvest my crops, and he even mentions his offsprings. Let let my children be rooted out. I think that's another word for being killed. And so uh, some of that he's. Professing, and some of it, uh, I gave you a couple references there from Job 20, where he's actually accused of some things. So, some of this he answers his his accusers. But uh, let, let's keep going. Uh, nine, nine through twelve, Angie, would you read those? If my heart has been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door, then let my wife cry unto another, and let her bow down upon her. For this is an heinous crime. Yea, it is an iniquity to be punished by the judges. For it is a fire that consumeth to destruction and would root out all my increase. Now, so he's saying here he's innocent of adultery. And he's already said he made this covenant with his eyes. And he's like, if I've been deceived by a woman, if I've laid wait at my neighbor's door... And he mentions his wife here, and we we haven't heard a lot out of his wife. And uh, 
I was listening to a preacher. You know, you remember in chapter two where Job's wife tells Job, you know, why don't you curse God and die? Uh, the the preacher was saying, you know, God killed his children. Why didn't he kill his wife? And he said, well, maybe the devil thought he could use her to bring Job down, and and maybe that's true. But I was I was thinking more like you know. The Bible says when uh, the two become one, so in essence they were one. So when God told the devil he couldn't kill Job, he probably couldn't kill his wife either. And when God when when God said, you know, to afflict his skin with boils or let him, so that was just kind of what I was thinking. Uh, and so he, but Job here is offering like you know if, if I've you know, wronged another man's wife and committed adultery, you know, then let somebody else take my wife and bow down upon her and grind with another. And so, and, and then it says, even at the end of verse 12, that it would, he would, then, then let him take all my increase. So, that's one thing, uh, I don't know if you guys saw in the news, probably six months or a year ago, uh, Jeff Bezos and his wife divorced. The richest man in the world. And I, I think Bill Gates and his wife divorced in the last year or so. I think Melinda Gates. If you see those settlements, they're like in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, uh, I think the article I was reading, like the most expensive divorces. And, uh, you know, you could imagine whatever you've work for or thought you work for but to lose half of it or most of it and you know there's a great loss uh, when you know especially godly men go south and uh, so anyway he, he's mentioning that it would he would lose all his increase and I gave you a reference there from uh, Job or from Proverbs uh, let's look at that uh, kind of quickly. We're, we're close to Proverbs. Let's look at Proverbs 5. Because this is where it talks about uh, committing adultery and uh, losing that which you labored for. So Proverbs 5 8. I'll read that here. Uh, 8 through 13. It says, Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed, and say, How have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. So this is a pretty powerful statement. Just don't even go near the door of her house, because if you do, you could not only give your honor to others, but you give your ye- your years to cruel people, and your labors are going to be in the house of a stranger. So that's uh, pretty pretty powerful. But Job is just kind of getting honest about everything, and uh, he has had integrity in this area as well. So let's go back to Job. 31 and uh, 
uh, Emma, would you read 16 all the way to 23? If I have withheld the poor from their desire, where it caused the eyes of the widow to pass, or have eaten my morsels of sale alone, and the father was, have not eaten thereof. For from my youth, he was brought up with me as with a father and had guided her from my mother's womb. If I have seen any fairies or want of clothing or any poor without covering, that his loins have not blessed me. were not warm within the fleece of my sheep. If I lifted up my hand against the fatherless when I saw my help at the gate. Then what? You want to go all the way to 23. And let my arm fall from my shoulder blade and my arm be broken in the bone. For destruction from God has prepared me, and by reason of his eyes I could not endure. All right, thank you. So at the end of uh, verse 16, it talks about a widow. and at the end of verse 17, it talks about the fatherless. So when you get to verse 18, uh, For from my youth he, meaning the fatherless, was brought up with me. So he took care of the fatherless as with a father, and I have guided her, that means the widow, from my mother's womb. And and so he, he goes, uh, and, and what, what I put in your blank there was just the word given. He, he is he's given to hospitality and so so this is a good thing he's being very hospitable to the widow the fatherless uh, he mentioned several things there about the poor and uh, even people to help clothe and uh, and you guys kind of checked me out on this um, when you see the word given in the Bible, uh, it kind of has to do with addiction a little bit. Uh, you know, Proverbs talks about those that are given to appetite. If, if you're given to something, if you're... Uh, I mean, you can yield yourself in a good way. You, you can be addicted to the ministry and given to hospitality. That's a gift. That's a, uh, one of the spiritual gifts is to be given to hospitality. But when you're given to something, it means you've, you've yielded yourself over to this. And I think it's three or four times in the Bible that little phrase given comes up. It's not always a bad thing, though. No, no, it's not always a bad thing. Uh, you're given to yeah, it depends. Uh, I think I I put Romans 121. That's not right on my handout. <laughs> I think it's Romans 12:13. Uh, let's look at those others there. We we got time. Uh, first First Timothy three three verse two. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Uh, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, 
apt to teach, and then it says not given to wine. So you are to be given to hospitality, but you're not to be given to wine. It's twelve thirteen. Just if anybody wants to okay. cross out a one there. And then Titus one. What does that say? Uh, Pam, would you read to Titus one and verse uh, eight? But a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. Yeah. So there's a lover of hospitality, and you know somebody's commented to me before that uh, that that word is where people where we got the name hospital for we and uh, how that in more recent years a lot of the names of hospitals has changed you know like care centers and. uh, research, I guess it's research hospital. Medical center. Medical center. So, some of them have dropped the word hospital from the name. But the, the goal is to be hospitable and given to hospitality. And then, uh, Suzanne, do you want to do the other one, the, the First Peter 4? I think these are all four mentions of the word hospital in the Bible. That's what I did. Use hospitality one to another without such. So, so that's a kind of a New Testament command to use hospitality one to another. So that that's good. And the other thing that I put here, the word "if" appears twenty times in this chapter, and then in verse twenty-two, it, it uses the word "then." And uh, yes, it's your computer thing, isn't it? He he just keeps saying, "If I've done this, if I've done that, then." I mean, that's kind of the the reaping what you've sown. If I've done all these things, then let mine arm fall from my shoulder blade, and mine arm be broken from the bone. So he's willing to take his whooping if he's done any of these things. Good. I didn't notice that one. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, verses 24 through 28. Uh, Jim, you want to do those? Yeah. If I have made gold my hope, or have said to the fine gold, Thou art my confidence, if I rejoice because my wealth was great, and become my hand had gotten, and because my hand had gotten much. If I beheld the sun when it shined, or the moon walking in brightness, and my heart hath been secretly enticed, or my mouth hath kissed my hand, this also were an inquiry to be punished by the judge, for I should have denied the God that is above. So some of this has to do with idolatry. It's cool. The moon's a type of the church. It says the moon walking in brightness. That's that's pretty wild, isn't it? The moon walking. Um, old Michael Jackson did a moonwalk. <laughs> it was the backward. <laughs> yeah, was he? Yeah. Oh, not good. Not good. Well, uh, 
I gave you several verses there. Uh, what I've done, let's all turn to the Psalms, that, uh, Psalm 115. This is kind of my go-to place for talking about uh, idolatry. Uh, Psalm 115. Hopefully this is interesting to you guys. and It's good to... But you know, many many times in the Bible, uh, the nation of Israel would be given to idolatry, and they would, uh, you know, worship Baal, and Baal was the sun god. And so, Job is saying here, you know, if his if his heart secretly enticed when he looks at the sun or moon, if he's enticed to worship them instead of, you know, the creation instead of the Creator. He's saying that would be a great, that would be iniquity. That should be punished. So in Psalm 115, I look at verses 4 through 7 about idolatry. It says, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. they that make them are likened to them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. And so it's a description of a false god. And, and so beside that in my Bible, I, you know, I wrote all these verses that you have on your handout. And one else that I wanted to look at was the Acts 17 where Paul is speaking on Mars Hill. And he brings up this thing about uh, false idols. And I think we brought this up in Jeremiah when we talked about it that God really used the Babylonian captivity to help purge Israel of their worship of false idols because in the New Testament you really don't see Israel uh, you know involved in idol worship. Uh, 17.24 of Acts says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though He needed anything, seeing He hath given to all life and breath and all things. And so... uh, you know, God doesn't necessarily need to dwell in things that we've made because uh, He doesn't need anything. He, he giveth life to all and breath and all things. So, you got to go, Inch? I think Jim did too. Huh? Oh, is he? Okay. Alright, well, let's go back to Job 31. And uh, we'll see something here in uh, Job 31. Uh, Sherry, do you want to read these? Uh, 29 through 31. Sure. If I rejoiced at the destruction of him that hated me, or lifted up myself when evil found him, neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. 
if the men of my tabernacle said not, Oh, that we had of his flesh, we cannot be satisfied. Yeah, so that's kind of maybe a little hard to understand, but he, he, he's saying he doesn't rejoice uh, when his enemy stumbleth, and that, that's what I, I gave you that verse from Proverbs. Job did not rejoice when his enemy fell or stumbled. Uh, and then he, he said, Neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. So he, he didn't wish people bad even if they hated him. And I don't know if you ever... Uh, my little header there was just, Job is innocent of malice. Uh, one of the things I was reading said this section, he said he was not guilty of malignity. And I never, you know, when I see the word malignant, I think of cancer. But it has to do with uh, malice and uh, you can malign someone's character. Anyway, I just kind of thought about that word a lot. It's weird that a cancerous thing is called malignant. It has to do with like angry or something wrong. Yeah, it was very interesting. English language is very. Yeah, I mean, I. So this the little header in the thing I was reading. He was not guilty of malignity. I, I use the word malice because I, uh, I don't really use malignity like that. But anyway, uh, all right, verse uh, thirty-two. Emmett. The stranger did not budge. In the street, open Yeah, so that just kind of goes back with he's he's given to hospitality. So I put he's not innocent, or he is innocent of inhospitality. So he lodged strangers. And then Pam, what's thirty three through thirty seven? If I covered my transgressions as Adam by hiding my iniquity in my bosom. Did I fear a great multitude, or did the contempt of families terrify me that I kept silent and went not at the door? Oh, that one would hear me. Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me, and that my adversary had written a book. Surely I would take it upon my shoulder and bind it as it comes to me. I would declare unto him the number of my steps as a yeah, so he says some wild things here, like uh, he wanted his his adversary to write a book about everything he did wrong, and if if he had that book, he'd put it on his shoulder and bind it like a crown. He'd wear it like a crown because he he's just thinking he's pretty clean of all these things. Uh, he even brings up Adam here. And uh, what did Adam do to hide his sin? Or, yeah, he, the fig leaves. And and then he, he even hid himself. So he, uh, I just thought it's cool that you know Job talked about Adam. So you know, he was not too far from, removed you know, in years. But he'd heard the story of Adam. So that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I haven't seen that, but that's cool. Kind of the hidden meaning. Why he did the fig leaf. It wasn't just the fig leaf. It was hiding his... Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is cool. And so, Job said, I haven't haven't hid my sin like Adam did. And um, he even invites the Lord 
it says at 37 there uh, to number his steps I would declare unto him the number of my steps so that goes back to verse 4 that we read about God counting his steps and then uh, Suzanne would you would you do the 38 through 40 we'll finish up here if my land cry against me or if the furrows otherwise therefore complain then if I have eaten the fruit therefore without money for I have caused the owner, therefore, to lose his lot, their life. Let the whistle grow, thistle grow instead of wheat. Okay. Yeah, cockle, like a cockle burr, I guess. Cockle, yes, instead of the barley. Into the, the word of Job. Yeah. yeah, so I put just the word ended there. Uh, and so this is kind of what some of us have we've kind of looked forward to the end of this argument here but Job is saying here that he's innocent of, of fraud he, he has not uh, defrauded anybody he hasn't eaten fruits without paying for it and uh, he said you know if I have then, then let thistles grow up instead of wheat and cockle instead of barley these were some of the main crops that they grew there uh, wheat and barley and so uh, he did end his words here to his friends. He does talk to God later. <clears throat> and so uh, I think one of my little points there, um, yeah, this verses 33 through 37, he was innocent of hypocrisy. And so I, I put that as your teaching point that uh, hypocrites need to use God's word to judge uh, weightier matters in our lives before trying to help our brothers with small matters so just the word hypocrites I put there let's see here Um, Job was innocent of being a hypocrite and then the Bible likens hypocrisy to what in the Bible? It's like what? Does anybody remember? It's from Luke 12. It's uh, Jesus said that the Pharisees were hypocrites and uh, that they had false doctrine, but there's another thing that he used. The whited sepulchers? They're like that. Uh, but he said it's it's like a leaven. Okay. It's like leaven. Hypocrisy. The hypocrisy of the Pharisees was like leaven in Luke twelve one, and so it would kind of be a small thing uh, that would defile a lot of big bigger things. So anyway, that that's something we all we don't want to be is is hypocritical. Uh, any other thoughts as we wrap up Job 31 we're going to hear from Elihu next week Lord willing if we're Heather was supposed to be here this morning I don't know what happened to her and Sam but anyway uh, yeah I thought a lot about it 
your 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 comments that he's likened to the Holy Spirit, and I I'm going to try to see uh, what all we can dig up. But yeah, Elihu talks for four or five chapters, so we'll hear a big uh, chunk of what he has to say starting next week. So. Anyway, well, I will pray and we'll finish. Uh, if you're joining us online, thank you for joining us. Uh, hopefully you're gleaning from the study of Job and uh, walking with the Lord. And I'm going to go ahead and shut my recorder off now. Luckily, 